1: Doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. And this podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast this week is Mark Esposito, professor of business and economics at Harvard University, and co-founder of Nexus Frontier Tech.
0: The so drive is is a framework of what we call the future trajectories, things that we think will happen for a fact that will have an impact on major socioeconomic uh, systems. Rather than thinking about the future as being this futuristic uh, scenario far away from us, we try to determine what the future will look like, which gave the t- title to the book by understanding the present. So, Drive is much more of what we call an instrument for present casting rather than just for forecasting. It's mainly for, rather, than, I would say, they is mainly to understand how to position themselves in the next few years. So, for me, more than a competitive advantage, is a positioning advantage but they are proactively creating the future they want to have as much as you benchmark most disruption doesn't happen from your own industry it happens from uh from outside of your own field of of vision and so drive is a way to engage you with multiple factors and some of them might be what we call no market factor factor that are not currently in your business model
1: this is mark he is a professor of Business and Economics, teaching at Harvard University's Division of Continued Education. He is also serving as an Institute Council Co-Leader at the Microeconomics of Competitiveness Program at Harvard Business School. He also holds professorship at Holt International Business School and IE Business School in Paris. In 2016, he was appointed as a Research Fellow at the Circular Economic Research Institute at the Judge Business School at the University of Cambridge. He was also appointed a Fellow of the Mohammed bin Rashid School of Government in Dubai in 2017, and as a Global Expert for the Global Economic Forum. Mark was shortlisted for the Thinker's 50 Breakthrough Idea Award in 2017 because of his work around the DRIVE framework which he co-created with Terence Tsi, which I interviewed in one of my earlier podcasts. I personally met with Mark at the Future of Business Forum in Paris, where we both spoke, and I have read that book in the meantime myself. The framework it provides inspired me, hence, I invited Mark to my podcast. And during our interview, we will explore the DRIVE framework in more detail, and in particular, how it will help organizations of all sizes to reveal the critical insights to shape their future proactively and to find new, unexploited markets. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, what questions to raise in order to constantly and optimally position your company for advantage. Secondly, why it is key to develop a strategic insight capability in-house rather than to rely on external consultants. And thirdly, why you will create more value by making your product compatible and combinable. So to get the podcast started, Mark, can you give the audience a little bit of background between all the things that you're doing these days and how they connect to each other?
0: Sure. So I've been working as an academic for the last 15 years. I range in for multiple institutions, but currently I've uh, been working at Harvard for seven years. And I also have a, a professorship at Halt International Business School. These are my two main, uh, say, affiliation, the one that I've that I been having for quite some time. They, they kind of happen close to each other. Harvard happened in 2011, and then Halt happened in 2012. And then since then, I've been doing a lot of different things. I've been uh, advising governments, some companies, but primarily for me, it's governments. I've been writing a lot, and I've been uh, engaged in a number of different projects with the World Economic Forum. So I was involved in four different reports. And I've been to the work Economic Forum in Davos. I've been to other work Forum regional meetings. So the forum is another important hat that I'm wearing when actually can, because it's, it's also time-consuming.
1: Interesting. So, so what, what is the main topic that unites all these different initi- initiatives?
0: So I would say, you know, very basic, I started from strategy and economics being my pillars. And then from there, I've been expanding more and more. So, you know, at one point in time in my life, I was exploring more into the sustainability part and a whole set of things happened around this. Uh, then I started to go more into uh, the new technologies, and that's when uh, World Economic Forum and uh, the idea of convergent technology and my experience at uh, the startup uh, Nexus uh, really became uh, tangible. But then, of course, like everything that really defines itself over time, there have been a lot of nuances, or now I'm teaching more of uh, it's like economic strategy, I do courses on competitiveness. But then I've been doing things more on non market strategy, business and government interplay, you name it. There's been so many different things that really created a portfolio, but the core is economic and strategy. And then there's been so many other things happening on the periphery of that.
1: I can see that. Yeah, I follow you on on LinkedIn and I see uh, where you're speaking in the topics you're, you're addressing there. Yeah. Well, when I started this podcast early January, the main focus of the podcast was. You start sharing, sharing compelling stories about the value that we can create when technology and people blend in the right way. And what I've seen when we met in uh, in Paris, and I, I got my, my hands on your book, you have introduced or you have written a book together with um, Terence Tse, yeah, yeah, which of course was also a person on the podcast earlier yes. on. And the title of the book is Understanding How, How the Future Unfolds, mm-hmm. and it introduces a from my perspective, very fascinating framework called DRIVE.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Can you explain in, in, in a couple of sentences what DRIVE is all about?
0: Sure. So DRIVE is, is a framework of what we call the future trajectories, things that we think will happen for effect, that will have an impact on major socioeconomic uh, systems. And so it's a way to look at the future by engaging the present. And that's a bit of a, it's not, it's not a, a, a game of word. We really mean it. Rather than thinking about the future as being this futuristic uh, scenario far away from us, we try mm-hmm. to determine what the future will look like, which gave the t- title to the book, by understanding the present. So, DRIVE is much more of what we call an instrument for present casting rather than just for forecasting. The forecasting happens, as a matter of fact, because if you're understanding the present and the trajectories, you can also determine how this trajectory will evolve over time. But so, I think the the key contribution of drive was uh, you know we have a language for f- backcasting we have a language for forecasting we don't have mm-hmm. a language for casting now and so we introduced in the book something that doesn't exist which is called present casting and that uh, that's and drive is the instrument that allows us to understand the present and by understanding you can say understanding the future by understanding the present or by understanding the present we can induce what the future will look like
1: Okay, and so if you use that framework and you 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 get the idea about what's happening around you, like the bigger the bigger drivers.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. Who is
1: typically and, and, who is typically sorry. using this this book, or is this is this a product management tool? Is it a, is it a tool for the CEO?
0: Mm, good question, Tom. I, I would say we we have written the books inspired primarily by story of uh, seniors, and I would say you know uh, we have uh, interviewed many CEOs, or if not CEOs, senior vice president or, or managing directors, but people are standing at the top of the organization. And so we yeah. wanted to understand what they were noticing as uh, an impact in, in the world through a number of different patterns that then we collected together and then uh, defined us to come up with the dry framework. But in general, we see that government and policymakers, they can use the book uh, to understand how to uh, regulate policy. Because, you know, policy is also a critical part of our of our societies, but it's been um, underserved for quite some time. But also organizations that are doing strategic, uh, you know, outlooks. I find myself doing a lot of trainings on what we call growth detection. So where markets are going to grow following the trends of mega, of mega trends. And uh, one of my courses at Harvard, which is an executive education course, is called growth strategy strategies and, and drive is the textbook we're using for that so multiple users depending on the challenge uh, that the organization or government are trying to face he has been written with an open spirit so that many people can use it not just the senior although senior have helped us a lot to identify those drivers
1: interesting and i i think i i can well i, I can i think i can agree i do agree with the fact that it's uh, quite broad in terms of how you can use it i've read it myself and uh, i'm it inspired me to, to start thinking about a couple of things myself. So um, mm-hmm. it's at that level. So you said you saw the, the, the gap in the market where we have a language for forecasting and a, and a, for, uh, and a question for, for backcasting. Yeah. But when you were looking into this, how did you come to d- d- decide on the five drivers that you've selected? What mm-hmm. makes them so distinct?
0: So, so, so we, uh, just, just for you to know that, Tom, before drive, Terence and I, we were working on a framework that we have also created called Fast Suspending Markets. There was the identification of markets uh, that tends to expand at a faster pace and they tend to be unnoticed. So our early time was on, let's say 2013, 14, 15. We were working on on market detection through this framework that we introduced. But what we didn't know is what were the conditions under which this market are basically growing. So with that in mind, we started to talk to executives asking them, you know, what did you notice impacting your business? What are the things you're mostly concerned about? And what scares you from, from the future? We have used the knowledge we have acquired on market growth and we try to understand the the, the upper level, the mega the mega level. And so when we had that journey, we started to realize that the most recurrent terms were the one that eventually became the DRIVE framework. So maybe I can let you know later about specifically the different letters, the acronym. But so DRIVE is not just an invention. It's uh, mainly evidence-based from the conversation we had with seniors of what were the most common topics or themes that were emerging in the life organization today. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, you you mentioned kind of naming the the, the five drivers. Can can you go through them one by one and explain very shortly why they are important each by themselves?
0: Of course. So I think D stands for demographics. One of the things we noticed more and more in the interviews was the fact that the changes in our population uh, pyramid and our social economic fabric is something that is impacting many organizations. So the fact that, for example, we're getting older, that we tend to or globally, that we tend to live primarily in cities. That we don't have as many kids uh, as we used to have, let's say, 40 years ago. Uh, they're all things that impact, of course, consumption. And so many of the, our interviewees, they were referring to the to the point in which aging is going to change the nature of products in the future. From you know, large aggregator company, they might need to enter markets for products for seniors. To, for example, uh, holiday-making companies that will need to start packaging their holidays to an entirely different set of what family stands for. So that's what drive really. uh, That's the sorry, where the D originally came from. The R, when we were talking to organizations that were sensitive to uh, resources, we were noticing that more people were starting to worry about what will happen when certain type of resources will become less available. And so I think. Uh, in the book, we make extensive reference to water because it's one of the things that mostly came from our conversations. And it goes from you know co- uh, company like, for example, Pepsi who or Coca Cola who need water to clean their pipes, all the way down to company like Nestle who are in the water in the water business, uh, to organizations that are into agriculture and they have to worry about irrigation or to manufacturing companies because they need water to run manufacturing and electricity. So we found water to be the most common elements and resources in general. We have conversation on energy, but it wasn't so, I think, concerned as the conversation on water. Then after we defined DNR, we were clear that these two were important. We started to have more and more input coming from the increasing gap between those who have and those who don't have. So interesting at this stage of our production, so Terence knew and got to know the managing, the CEO the London Stock Exchange who got kind of passionate about what we were trying to do. And so he started to be more active in collaborating with us. And so he has written the, the, the preface of our book, uh, Xavier mm-hmm. Rollet. Uh, so it was uh, for us an important endorsement because you have the second largest stock exchange in the world, the CEO that is endorsing. Uh, your work. And then with him, we have written a LinkedIn article, but because he is an influencer on LinkedIn, then that has a wide reach. And interesting about that, Xavier was particularly interested about inequality. So in a, we call it inequalities on on purpose because we discovered there were several types of inequalities. And so there's really this major gap of poor distribution of wrong distribution of resources that goes from capital to income, but equally to life expectancy, gender equity, yep. there are multiple gaps. So the were, R&I were like the, the core wires, almost like the wireframe, right, of our, of our framework. And I think what happened afterwards is that we started to get more and more exposed to uh, the technology insight, and that's where the V became very visible. So we started looking at the impact of how these technologies are changing primarily production. And so we talk in the book about what we call general purpose technology, GPTs. And now they have changed the nature of production in general. And finally, we were hearing about competition coming from countries where we were not used to hear about competition in terms of innovation. So namely, Chinese company they were rising at a faster pace, and they were taking over. Indian companies or company in in what used to be originally emerging economies, that now we're gaining a lot of market attention. And that's where DE came from. So that's kind of the story between uh, among the five different uh, letters of the acronym.
1: Yeah, and the idea at the end is to go through all of them, but then to start combining the, well, drawing the lines and connecting the dots between those, right?
0: That's right. And, and, And sometimes you could argue that some organization might be less interested about the E, because their nature, their business is not necessarily exposed to this. Other organizations, they might be less sensitive to the I, because they find that uh, they haven't experienced large uh, uh, you know, uh, evidence of inequalities. So we don't uh-huh. think that every single letter will mean the same for every single person. But the, the, idea, the idea drive is really to provide people with an opportunity to have that conversation in the first place. To say, how are these trends shaping my business right now? How will they possibly shape it tomorrow? And how can I develop either scenarios or capabilities to address this trend or even change the present so that consequently I'm going to change the the future.
1: Yeah. So I mean, from the people that you've been working on so far, have Mm -hmm. they used the framework to get an advantage out of this in terms of maybe competitive advantage? Or is it more like prepare and, and defend?
0: I would say it's mainly for rather than, I would say they is mainly to understand how to position themselves in the next few years. So for me, more than a competitive advantage is a positioning advantage. They've been doing a lot of work in how do they position themselves in the market that is changing. And I think now they feel empowered that they understand and so they don't feel uh, that they have to sit and wait what happens because that of course is a dangerous games to play, but they are proactively creating the future they want to have, so for me, it's more about their competitive positioning that is different in comparison to before, where the positioning was happening primarily through either trends that tends to be a replication of the past with some you know marginal optimization to the future. So I see yes. what has been the sales volume until this period of time, and I will calculate it with a coefficient what I think the future will look like, or it would be organization that will simply uh, think about benchmarking with other companies. And, and I think what we learn in this exercise is that as much as you benchmark, most disruption doesn't happen from your own industry. It happens nope. from, uh, from outside of your own field of, of vision. And so Drive is a way to engage you with multiple factors, and some of them might be what we call no market factor, factors that are not currently in your business model.
1: Exactly, yeah. And that's that's what I like about it, because it, you're forced to think in certain lenses. And with that, you identify aspects that you haven't thought about before but that are either already having an impact but could have an impact on the short notice. That's so right. from the people that you've been working with, what is the most impressive example can you give an example of how one company or one organization has used it to not well, to reposition himself
0: so i think one of the example we liked uh, both Aaron's and i we kind of follow into the same example when we asked this question which means we, we we both like it as being exemplary right of a drive uh, we both yeah. work with the uh ferrari world in abu dhabi as for for consulting and so i think it was a period of time where ferrari world was uh not too successful in bringing people to their park, and I think mm-hmm. it was conditional to so this this is so the the, prob- the problem was not as many people go to the park as before, and they were having a lot of strategy trying to think about the repositioning their product into the market but it's only when drive happened that they understood that there was a dependency on the regional context that was becoming very visible, and so you know you were surrounded in a region where you have uh, Increasing hostility, uh, the example of the Iran and Saudi Arabia and the war in Yemen. And then we had a drop of, uh, because of the sanction, Russian tourists, they were losing in their exchange with the dollar more and more. And so they couldn't suddenly afford going to uh, the Dubai or Abu Dhabi anymore. And the Russian tourists used to be the largest uh, amount of tourists that the park was basically hosting. So the park was thinking, that there was something wrong with their strategy but actually what was happening is that the environment around them uh, was rapidly changing and so they had to adapt their strategy not to their internal dynamics but to the external ones and that's when i saw them changing their we both saw Terrence and i their orientation towards the local market to make it they made a bold step towards the local market first and suddenly we started noticing that as the demographic of their clientele changed from russian tourists To primarily other tourists, they start to work systematically with Indian tourists and Chinese tourists. So now, if you go to Abu Dhabi, where I work right now, every day you see buses of tourists, uh, Chinese tourists that go in and they visit the park. And that happened, I think, in the moment where they realized that strategy should be a react or should be a response to a capability you want to acquire, but that capability is set by the trends rather than thinking that it's set only from your internal value proposition. And that's one of the best examples where DRIVE really helped them redefine their, their strategy to a much more inclusive one.
1: Interesting. Do you also have an example whereby the conclusion was in order to survive, in order to stay relevant in this in our industry, we need to, to take five steps back and use technology to, to get ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking of technologies like machine learning and artificial intelligence and the typical technology that can help and augment people to, to do things that we haven't seen before.
0: Mm-hmm. So you mean, uh, Ton, if I have seen an example where the part of the technology was more implemented? or uh... Well,
1: that, that the conclusion came that we cannot survive going forward with, with 10% in improvements. We have to go and think 10x.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I understand your question. So I think where I have seen the most interesting Evolution has been with the banking system, and I think that was that probably not really ten x is a conversation the banks can afford. But I have seen in multiple training we have done uh, through banks, you know, different one. Uh, so from Santander to Monte dei Paschi in Italy, to Bank of America, to uh, the London Stock Exchange itself. Right, we have seen multiple clients. I say I would say. And, and Terence has seen multiple banks himself. when banks understand this they start understanding uh, technology as a as an opportunity to redefine their business model i think that's when they acquired the understanding of what the v yeah. stands for we ran a training uh-huh. uh, i think it was in uh, milan for small medium enterprises and investors at the stock exchange and you know they were like Surprised, Many of them were still not fully engaged with technology, but after that training, we saw so many people rushing to start defining their technology priorities uh, so that now they were trying to to be more competitive in in what they used to do before. So I would say the financial sector is where we are seeing the best response that will go towards the definition Mm -hmm. of technology implementation. Because it's a sector that struggles so much, even to do 10% on an annual basis. So sure. that, that, that area would probably be the answer to your question.
1: Yeah. So out of what you've learned so far, I mean, the, the, the writing of the book itself, mm-hmm. the, the training, the workshop that you've provided, if you would give one big advice to a CEO who, who wants to kind of yeah, get started and, and, and understand what they need to do in the next coming years, what advice would you give them?
0: So I would, I would give the advice to build a team around trends and integrate them as part of their strategic insights as a, a routine activity to conduct and run, rather yeah. than have this as a peripheral, peripheral activity that uh, tends to be brought on board primarily only by consultants. I think the major problem that I see is that you know if you're talking to consulting firms, they all understand why trends are important. And many of them, they've been producing quite good uh, trends reports. But when you go inside of the organization, this seems to be like a luxury that they don't really have the time to do this. And I think what we argue is the opposite. Uh, this should be your main strategic priority because that's when you're redefining uh, those big questions that, that drive the operation of the organization. So really build a systematic way to look at trends inside of your company, uh, outside of the help of consultants, make it a more organic process rather than thinking that because you may be into, I don't know, manufacturing or, or you're into aluminum or you're into uh, hardware, these things don't matter to you because, of course, they, they do. No, no.
1: So, that, yeah, that's an interesting thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the world is changing so fast that being not prepared for this and, ha- and not having this cap- capability inside your company can give you a disadvantage at the end. Yes, so that's an interesting one. Is there also, if you look at it from a perspective of technology development, the the whole ISV world? I think in the beginning of your of your of this podcast, you were mentioning that the thinking in in ten percent gains is not is not enough anymore. Do you have any advice towards software vendors in terms of what they have to start doing different based on what you've seen with mm-hmm. drive so far?
0: So I think we all learn from a, a company like Amazon these days that yeah. platform aggregation of service and service is much more powerful than products. And I think the idea we have explored in the book, when we talk about the combinatorial technologies, this technology they're combining multiple technology into one, reflects yeah. nicely. Uh, I think the idea that is in the the like you know the aggregation that we have much more value than in the specific one. And and I think, you know, make products, the advice I would give them, make progress, uh, products compatible and, and combinable as much yeah. as possible. And rather than making products, they're protected by intellectual property rights, but they become obsolete in the moment they can be combined, integrated with other ones. And I, And I think this is a lesson that is not easy to learn because you have to give up a lot of what you consider exactly. to be your, your breakthrough or your technology uh, IPs. But you know today most of the business happens in combination uh, with other businesses. It doesn't happen in isolation, and even the the model, the revenue models, are rapidly changing. So that's something that emerged from the study, from the conversation with the seniors. Uh, from our deep dive into V, and that's something that I would say to the to the software vendors, if I if I can exactly. give them an advice.
1: I think this, uh, this wraps it up quite nicely. Very good advice. If there's anything you can ask the audience, what would it be? How can they help you?
0: I think it would be nice to uh, to see more emergent trends that could expand the drive framework. I would love to see how maybe other trends are becoming relevant. You know, we 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 separated into D R I V and E. And it's easy also to say drive, right? It became an it's a commercial choice as well to make sure people can pronounce it anywhere in the world. But if there are other megatrends that are somehow relevant, that have the same philosophy of the original drive framework, we would love to hear more about in which way we could expand the framework to things that matter and they need to be captured. They are they're pillars, you know. They they allow big conversations to happen, and they're able to be, to empower in the connection of the dots. We'd love to see more of this happening. On So if there's any sub- advice in that sense, we'd love to hear it.
1: Okay, I'll make it uh, sing around. So yes. thank you very much. Where can people go and, and find more about you and just say hello? Well, so it's
0: easy, Ton. It's easier than anything else. So there's a lot of social media presence uh, from LinkedIn to uh, Twitter. Yeah to a professional page on Facebook. Uh, these are the three pillars that I use on a regular basis. There is, uh, there's a lot of uh, content and videos of me talking at different places on uh, YouTube. There are TED Talks, so it's easy to find me, it's easy to get in touch with me. I have a personal website that is uh, you know, mark-esposito.com, and there is a contact uh, option where people can send me an email directly. There's actually my email, so there's no, there's no redirected, uh, window to, you know, my email is, is open. It's my first name, mark at mark hyphen. And, yeah. uh, it's there is on the website. So there's uh, really no, there's no barrier whatsoever to get in touch with me. Very good. Um, yeah.
1: Very good. Well, thank you very much for your inspirational uh, insights today. And thanks I all share... for,
0: for having me. And, uh, I look forward to the podcast and to sharing it with my network. And to your future podcast with other guests, I'm now a fan. I'm subscribed to your newsletter. So I received actually one newsletter today about the podcast that you have produced. I know exactly. that other people that we both know have been recording podcasts for you. So I look forward to both friends' podcast and other, <laughs> uh, other colleagues' pod, podcasts in the future.
1: Cool. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks to you. Have a good one. Yes, bye. Bye, 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 bye.
1: And to everybody that's listening right now, Thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Marc Esposito, professor of business and economics at Harvard University and co-founder of Nexus Frontier Tech. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology, change the established rules, and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas and that starts with you if you want to have more information read my blogs or obtain information on working with me just visit me on my website valueinspiration.com thank you for tuning in and you can do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback i'll see you shortly in a new episode